thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey, good evening, good morning, good day, lovely listeners. Hopefully you're uh, listening to us somewhere in the world where you're free and roaming about. But uh, if you're in lockdown, thank you for joining us. There's so much of Australia right now that are uh, stuck in their homes. So this might be your binge week to catch up on all our episodes. So thank you for joining us. And all our new listeners, thank you so much. Had quite a few comments lately of just uh, people who found us for the first time and it's (laughs) always amazing and we really appreciate uh, however you found us that you're here on board and uh, catching up with all the information that we've shared over the last years and big shout out congratulations to the gorgeous dr andrea here she uh, had an amazing women's health event on the weekend teaching chiropractors oh. how to do better in women's health care and um, i was really really sitting in the audience just like gobsmacked proud amazed i i just love that even oh, as a friend gosh. i can be like oh my gosh i'm so proud of you it's so huge um and the takeaways were incredible i couldn't believe that a couple of the people that we work with um, came back and were like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much she knows. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you think? <laughs> so it was uh, it was really oh. an amazing event. Congratulations. It was huge. It was really, really cool. So thank you oh. for letting me join that part of uh, your teaching world now as well. So Andrea doesn't just do practice or uh, coach <laughs> women online. She also teaches chiropractors how to be better in women's healthcare. So we're very, very lucky. Oh, Ash, thanks so much. That was not stage doors. Um, I didn't realize she was going to do that. And I, um, it's always a little bit weird, like, um, I don't know, getting positive feedback. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, Ash, thanks. I really appreciate that. And, uh, teaching is definitely something that I just, 
I think it's probably one of my favourite things. Um, I love it so much. And I think that we've been so privileged to have, you know, this medium to try and explain quite complex things to women in a way that is easily easily palatable. So this is probably my practice over the last few years to be able to then put package that into um, something that makes sense for practitioners as well. So yeah, it was good fun. And it was hilarious though, because on the day we were teaching and the venue was like a warehouse style um, venue. And we literally had like a monsoon, like the craziest weather that we've had in Perth. Um, for so long, but we um we did great. <laughs> the roof didn't come off. We were okay. I won't, um, I won't lie though; it was bloody freezing. <laughs> it was so cold. I swear it was like the coldest day of the year. Um, and but, I know but you prepared us were... though. We had we had our uh, down jackets and we had blankets with us. It was awesome. So it was kind of like a cozy wintry uh, retreat. We were doing uh, our learning and all snuggled up with uh, chai lattes. It was really actually quite nice. No, it's definitely the only criticism that I have of that place is just the um, temperature control is terrible. Yeah. Uh, and all of our um, listeners from the Northern Hemisphere who have winters that are so much more severe than here, they, you're going to be laughing your heads off. It probably got down to, I think it got to like 15 degrees Celsius or something. I don't think it was lower than that, but it felt so cold. Um, <laughs> we, might probably... put, we, we might put wind chill in there as well because it was a bit on the little drafty side. And I was sitting it there was. going, probably about 13 minus two or three with wind chill. So, yeah, I'm going to say we were probably tipping around the uh, the 12 degree mark for, <laughs> for the day. And I reckon anything less than 20 is freezing as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, um, we were laughing though because there was um, three of us in the room. I don't know if you noticed that had the full length um, down jackets. And I was uh-huh. like, yeah, as I was talking to Lou, I'm like, you can clearly tell the people who've either lived in Europe or lived in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, you're all prepared uh, and you know how to do the cold, which the rest of us absolutely do not. No. Um, yeah, it was a fun day. And that yeah. was, um, I'm going to segue that into the topic we're going to do tonight. And when we're teaching other people about women's health and women's hormones, a hormone that is so critical to women's health that is often overlooked is testosterone because it's considered like a male-type hormone. It's considered an androgen. And there's lots of um, ridiculous things that I've read online that, oh, you know, it doesn't matter if you lose all your testosterone as you age. Testosterone is not important for women. Women need more estrogen because it's feminizing. You don't need testosterone. Um, You know, all of those sorts of just crazy, crazy things when it's such a critical, important hormone for our entire health and well-being and fertility and everything throughout our entire life. So this edit episode tonight, for those of you who are um, new to the show, welcome to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Andrea. I'm Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized we hadn't done that. So I thought I'd flip it around just to like, you know, just to change things up. Um, and we're going to be talking all about whether or not women need testosterone tonight and the ins and outs of that and how important it is for our health. And it's so topical right now too, because obviously the Olympics always brings out, you know, the latest uh, challenges to women. We always have things, you know, in this case, we've got a New Zealand weightlifter born male in terms of genetics, but competing under women's category due to lowered testosterone. We've had historically Olympic medalists, you know, that have been uh, forced to downregulate testosterone, which was their kind of natural assigned 
advantage um, in order to be able to compete. So there's always these questions about how much testosterone should women have, how much is too much, what uh, level of testosterone makes an unfair advantage, particularly in things like sport. You know, of course, the Olympics is the pinnacle of uh, sport and that's usually when these topics come up uh, in conversation and in challenge and debate even uh, and the IOC working hard to try and define those boundaries. But it's really interesting that there's always this assumption that women experience elevated testosterone and you know obviously attain masculine features but Mm. lower testosterone is is equally as harmful for the well-being of women so it's uh probably more common for me to understand the idea of elevated testosterone we know of things like polycystic ovarian syndrome androgynous um characteristics like you know increased hair maybe some male pattern baldness, you know, in women. That's just that that idea of we have these ideas of what testosterone is, but a lot of women just don't understand that a lower testosterone has uh, big impacts on their life and their health and their well-being, and often it's overlooked by general standard tests and GPs dismiss it as being, you know, unimportant or irrelevant. Yeah, which is, I think, crazy because it's so important for, um, even if we just think about our reproductive hormones, um, and testosterone falls into our reproductive hormones category, and a quarter mm. of it is made by our ovaries. Most of it is made by our adrenals, and the rest of it is made by our fatty tissue. So if women are holding a little bit more body weight, typically they'll be making a little bit more androgens or testosterone with that, um, and it is actually absolutely essential for our entire fertility capacity. So um, testosterone will peak and trough throughout the cycle, just like estrogen and progesterone will as well. And testosterone actually peaks in the follicular phase of the cycle, so that first phase of the cycle, just before estrogen does, and then it converts into estrogen. So testosterone is considered to be like an obligate precursor to estrogen because it undergoes aromatization where it will increase it converts into estrogen. Estrogen then will um, absolutely peak at the point of ovulation, which allows for the egg to be released. So if we don't have testosterone, we don't ovulate. And it's also essential for um, the quality and health of the egg as well. So we don't um, have good quality um, eggs that would be able to be fertilized if we didn't have adequate amounts of testosterone as well. Um, and that's just for our reproductive function. And that's wild in background, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> just saying just saying hello. Um, but the effects of testosterone are far reaching than just our reproductive function as well. Um, and actually, we just go through a bit of a list of what testosterone actually does in our body. And then maybe we can talk about um, sort of really dig into the signs of high and low as well. Yeah, look, I've always been interested in, obviously, for me, like brain and cardiac effects of testosterone, just how important that is, um, probably from an athletic perspective, always being curious about, you know, advantages that may be gained from increased or decreased testosterone. Um, But, you know, in terms of sex steroids, there's still some conjecture as to the full understanding of the effect they have on the cardiovascular system, but there are certainly a lot of studies that indicate that the testosterone can act directly on the vasculature. So obviously mm-hmm. our, our blood system, our vascular 
arteries, veins. Oh my gosh, brain fry. Um, <laughs> yeah, you get it right. Vascular system. Just sounded, sounded, oh my gosh, sounded a little dull right there. And I was like, ah, whoa. <laughs> I'm no, just going to blame that on pregnancy brain right now. I actually have an out right now. Um, <laughs> Oh, God. I don't know what my problem is. <laughs> Let's just keep rolling. Um, but low testosterone levels have been, uh, you know, connected to unfavorable cardiovascular outcomes, which essentially mm. just means that there is a negative effect on our cardiovascular system when we've got low testosterone. And so it's needed to keep our, our heart and our vascular system strong and healthy. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously with, you know, increasing global rise of cardiovascular disease, anything that impacts our our key body functions like heart brain we should be really concerned about it we really do need to be testing for it and checking it but like we've said that a lot of people consider it unimportant or less important and even less so from when they're going through many perimenopause and menopause um so that's again one of those things that you say okay so if it's not so important then what about my heart and what about my brain which is interesting because when women do go into that perimenopause and menopause transition, that is some of the systems of their body that are so dramatically affected is their mm. cognitive function and cardiovascular health, mm. which is also why originally they were using HRT because, and their hypothesis was that because it was so protective for the cardiovascular system um, and it prevents strokes and everything else, um, but testosterone itself is is part of that protective mechanism for you know, the the cardiovascular system, but it also aids with red blood cell production as well. So you can imagine how that would affect energy levels in the body as well, Mm -hmm. like making sure our um, system is diffuse with really good quality red blood cells. It's also essential for healthy moods. Um, It helps to maintain our muscle mass. So for women, testosterone is responsible for maintaining um, and, and keeping like that lean muscle uh, but also um, something that I think is obviously really important for women's health is that I think we all understand that testosterone is associated with libido and testosterone keeps a woman's libido in a cyclical nature and helps us to be responsive to stimulus. So, for example, um, you know, if the mood is right, our we, we should be happily um, – I don't know what way can I describe this? Like we should be responsive to that rather than just wanting to shut down any of those sort of advances. Um, So there's arousal. It increases that sense of arousal. Exactly. See, your brain is working. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And also testosterone is responsible for a woman's orgasmic capacity. Hmm. Um, So absolutely critical. So we know that it affects our cardiovascular system, our red blood cell um, production. It affects our cognitive function, our muscle mass, as well as obviously our ability to be fertile. But it also for women distributes our fat too. So it determines where we actually put fat on our body, um, which is why testosterone, and I'm sure you can understand just by you know, those list of things that it's involved in, really has to have or be in this Goldilocks kind of zone. So we need good amounts, not too much, not too little, and we need a system that's able to use it as well. Absolutely. And I think it's really interesting too because you're talking about, you know, systems that use it, um, but there are also systems that influence or downregulate testosterone production, don't they? And so when we look, and you mentioned before how there's that obligate um, relationship there with cortisol sorry more testosterone into estrogens but you're looking at also then the effect of the inverse direct relationship that happens between cortisol and testosterone 
And this is again why we talk so much about, you know, how stress responses in our body engage rapid and dramatic changes in our sex hormones. And of course, you know, if that is the case, that cortisol going up means testosterone goes down, you can now see the knock-on effect it has on the other sex hormones for women's health. Yeah, definitely. And if let's let's talk about what a symptom picture of a woman would be like. Say if she's got the easiest thing to think about is excess androgens or excess testosterone, and this mm-hmm. is the classic picture of a woman with like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yeah. So this is as you mentioned before, Ash. This is the hyperandrogenism. So now this doesn't mean that um, she's going to have amazing red blood cells and you know her libido is going to be through the roof and everything. Um, it doesn't work that way when we have excess amounts of something. So it can be destructive and damaging to our body. Um, and so normally with those excess androgens, we would see uh, weight gain often in a masculizing type pattern. Um, you already mentioned the male pattern um, hair loss, but we can also get male pattern hair growth. So the signs of the hirsutism, so um, hair growth along the jawline, the upper lip, around the nipples, along the um you know, from the navel down to the pubic bone, really big, thick rogue hairs that grow outside of the bikini line, the backs of the legs, the tops of the feet, those sorts of things. Um, also, acne is a really big one that goes with excess androgens. Um, uh, just as, you know, the right amount of testosterone is correct, if we go too over or too far under, a woman's mood is absolutely going to be affected and excess testosterone is associated with both um, mood and cognitive changes from either end of the spectrum. Uh, and we know that that um, certainly is associated with women with polycystic ovarian syndrome as well. Um, the excess androgens tends to um, create the immature excess follicles on the ovaries, which starts to damage the follicles. And also it's related to insulin resistance. Not always, but there's a bit of a kind of chicken or egg scenario that goes on there. We know that insulin resistance can lead to excess androgens and in some cases it can be vice versa as well. Which is why obviously irregular periods and concerns with infertility, you know, are a big player in in elevated testosterone. There's also a case to be said then for underactivity of the mm-hmm. testosterone so low lower testosterone um you know i think for a lot of women they'll classically just cite low energy you know just feeling yeah. like they're they're not something's wrong and often chasing down things like thyroid to see if it's the thyroid problem but uh, it can be related to lower testosterone um decrease in muscle strength you know endurance so you know related probably to that cardiovascular effect but also the effect it has on retention of muscle mass um decrease in libido People with low testosterone will often report feeling quite sleepy after a meal, especially dinner. Um, I don't know <laughs> the research on that. I couldn't find it, but I just thought that was an interesting kind of little side effect or symptom. Um, and, of course, you mentioned things like emotional changes, increases in abdominal fat and elevated cholesterol plus concerns around weakening of the bones. So this is where you start to look at uh, osteopenia or osteoporosis risks as well. And when a woman, a cycling woman who still um, hasn't got to that perimenopausal menopausal phase yet, when they have low testosterone, often they will have long cycles, but obviously from different reasons to PCOS. And this can kind of fall into that hypothalamic amenorrhea or, um, you know, functional hypothalamic amenorrhea sort of spectrum because we need testosterone to help us to make 
estrogen to then ovulate. So we might be having those anovulatory cycles um, and we may be having long absent periods as well. So just like we don't want too much, we also don't want too little. Uh, we certainly need the exact right amount of testosterone. And to assess this, I actually think that serum testing or blood tests is actually the most accurate way of assessing testosterone. For some things, um, you know, we, we do prefer to look at, you know, say dried spot urine or um, saliva testing or whatever it might be. But for testosterone, it's certainly most accurate looking at blood tests. And I will al always request free testosterone. So the ones that aren't actually bound to hormones that are already um, are kind of, you know, floating around um, in the bloodstream. We will look at the bound testosterone as well. So this is the one that's being put into use that is bound um, to those uh, sort of receptors. We'll always look at sex hormone binding globulin because that is showing what your body's capacity is to actually use those hormones. Um, I do like to look at the free androgen index, especially if we're thinking things like PCOS because that's a ratio between the free and total testosterone. Um, and then finally, DHEA is always essential when looking at testosterone because it is like the mother hormone to all of those things. And if we've got low DHEA, then often we'll have low testosterone as well. And that's mostly um, normally due to uh, the body prioritizing cortisol production. So then there's nothing left over for the DHEA to be converted into things like testosterone. So it completely makes sense. One of the biggest solutions for supporting uh, balanced testosterone in women is stress reduction. Yes, exactly. Mm. So well, should we talk about some of the solutions? Because I think uh, obviously we've had some episodes dedicated specifically to PCOS, uh, insulin resistance. So a lot of the suggestions we would make in regards to elevated testosterone we've covered in those episodes. So if you're interested, that would probably be a recommendation to shoot back and have a listen to those ones. Um, I don't think probably related to our sort of reducing testosterone with age, it's probably good tonight to have a chat about some natural ways we can actually boost testosterone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's really obvious that for most women, stress management and exercise are two of our biggest strategies towards improving testosterone regulation and balance and obviously increasing uh, testosterone levels as well. I'm a big believer though that you know for a lot of women they are working so hard on their bodies that actually is part of the stress response that's producing yeah. the reduction in testosterone which is really ironic because you know you think that doing workouts and building muscle and pushing your body is going to help to drive up muscle mass and testosterone production but there is such an issue as overtraining or too many high intensity workouts each week you can actually you know increase your cortisol levels which decreases your testosterone levels so there's a little bit of a, a tipping point there that a lot of high uh, achieving women who do a lot of sport and activity have to find the balance there don't they yeah yeah exactly and it, it there's no better way that i can describe it than it has to be that goldilocks effect mm -hmm. um and if you're getting some of those symptoms of low testosterone like we talked about before like um you know fatigue weakness muscle weakness poor recovery from you know that kind of training um like an absolute no libido whatsoever so sometimes one of the best signs of women in practice with low testosterone i'm asking them about their libido and they're like what libido 
my libido is a distant memory. I don't even know what that is like. And it's like, okay, we've got some problems. Um, but anyway, um, what are we talking about? Ways to regulate. That's right. Mm. Thanks, Ash. Yep. Keeping me on track there. Uh, what I always think whenever you're trying to build hormones is obviously looking at what the root cause of that is always. Mm. Um, so is it overdoing it? Is it the stress reaction? Is it, um, that they're not fueling their body appropriately to actually make those hormones in the first place. So obviously making sure that the diet is rich in protein, fiber, and good fats, all your hormonal building blocks. I would always look at things like vitamin D levels because, again, that's a hormone that's going to help as the building blocks for this as well. Um, I'd always check zinc levels too just to make sure that we've got enough of the right stuff there. Um, I don't tend to... Um, for uh, my patients, unless they're in a situation where they're really actively and very quickly wanting to conceive or it is hypothalamic amenorrhea, only in those circumstances would I actually use androgenizing or those kind of um, the herbs that we would normally associate with um, trying to lift testosterone in that sense. It would normally use in, in the case of sort of men's health. Um, we, I try to only do that in those circumstances. For all the other women who may just be a little bit out of balance, I think that just getting those basic steps right first, so diet, lifestyle, stress reduction, maybe some adrenal nourishment, and then all of the minerals correct, like the vitamin, well, vitamin D is not a mineral, but you know what I mean. Um, zinc, vitamin D, making sure the iron levels are appropriate. Um, and what else was I going to say there? I think that's a pretty good start. And sleep. But always sleep. Always sleep. Always. We, we just have this blanket, you know, assumption that it's like when we talk about diet and lifestyle, it's, it's there. We didn't mention it directly, but um, I do remind people that if we want to have balanced hormones, we need to get adequate sleep. We talk often about joining the 10 p.m. club, um, mm-hmm. but it's one of the most important, you know, impacts on a variety of different hormones and chemicals in your body. So you cannot overestimate or underestimate the quality of good sleep. And if you're not getting it, then uh, we definitely recommend you trial some strategies to try and improve your sleep quality um, and sleep patterns. Um, you know, like whenever we talk hormones, we're always talking about reduction to exposures exposures of estrogen yes. mimicking compounds. We know these to be called xenoestrogens or phytoestrogens if it comes from plants and foods. Um, but these are just, again, you know, any compound that mimics the effects of estrogens and, of course, alters hormonal activity. So, um, yeah, if you haven't heard us rabbit on about that many times before, go back and listen to some of our episodes on estrogen production and you'll hear us talk a lot about the phytoestrogens and xenoestrogenic effects in the body. So I won't feel time tonight doing that one. Um, for me as well, you know, in terms of just basic supplementation, I also find a lot of women have troubles when they're low magnesium. Mm-hmm. So, yep, you know, always. I definitely, definitely talk a lot about sufficient magnesium because I think there's over 400 chemical responses in the body that require sufficient magnesium. So it's uh, got a pretty vast and broad-reaching impact on the body if we're deficient. Um, vitamin C as well, you know, obviously helps convert testosterone into estrogen. So it's always good to have adequate vitamin C levels so that um, our body can respond appropriately to stress. Yep. Awesome. Um, I think that if 
if it was an instance of fertility, really low testosterone and something like a hypothalamic amenorrhea picture, I think that that's a little bit of a masterclass that we would want to go into more specifics in regards to um, kind of the treatment options for that. But um, it's probably just beyond the scope of, of what we're going to cover tonight. Um, the other thing that um, and one of my favorite things to give homework to, um, to the type of homework that I give to women is that anything that's going to help to increase really good juicy blood flow to the reproductive organs um, is going to help. And so uh, even though your libido is really low, this doesn't mean that you have to be forcing yourself to do things that you're just not wanting to, but orgasm is really, really helpful. Um, and it's kind of that use it or lose it principle as well. The more you do normally, the more responsive you are, and that is absolutely going to help. So more sex creates more sex. That, uh, totally. And it doesn't even have to be sex. It can just be yeah. you know, whatever you Stimulus, want it to interaction, be. interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Positive uh, mindset approach towards sort of sexual desire. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So, ladies, that is all about the importance of testosterone for women, how critical it is for, you know, our entire health and well-being. Um, and it's far more reaching than just, you know, our libido and our reproductive health. So it is definitely essential for our moods, our cognition, our muscle mass. It's also really super important for pain reduction too. Just so you know, I forgot to add that in before. Really, really important for pain reduction. Uh, Asha, anything else you want to add there? No, I think we've. I think we've nailed that. I think it's just important though that women insist on having uh, tests, blood tests for testosterone, and understand you know adequate ranges for their age and stage in their life um, because often it's just dismissed and overlooked. But if some of the signs and symptoms you're experiencing relate to those sex hormones, then that balance is really important. And I think it's uh, something that we often have to insist on. And that's probably where I will ask women to, oh, can I have a look at the copy? Because, oh, no, no, everything's fine. The doctor said it's all fine. But um, often, you know, fine is not good enough for many women. So it is important to understand how that all fits together in a big kind of ecosystem of our beautiful bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.